Well, welcome back, everyone, to the 12th episode of the Tundra Cast. And once again, we're joined by another very special guest. He's a, for, he's a former TSN anchor, currently also, also hosting his own radio show in Vancouver for Sportsnet 650. And he's also the play-by-play man for EA Sports' NHL. We got James Sabolski. Let's play. All right. So um, I think our first question to you is just, uh, of course, it's COVID. It's, a different, it's been a different world for almost a year now. Um, you know, what's it like reporting during these times, you know? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's certainly different than what we've been used to from the, you know, the face-to-face, the personal contact. Um, I, I think for a lot of people who have been used to hustling on the phones over the years, it's probably nothing new, but for those that, you know, on the day-to-day go down to the rink, have that conversation, put in that kind of personal time, you know, face-to-face, the accountability to, hey, how are you? Just the old-fashioned way of networking. Uh, I think it's been a little different where you kind of lose a little bit of that personal touch. Um, You know, whether you're talking to athletes, coaches, general managers, or whatever, because now everything is essentially a Zoom call. Uh, That being said, I think it's also been an eye-opener for a lot of people from a technological standpoint to say, okay, hey, look, this can be done. And you know what? For some, this is almost a little easier to say, okay, well, you know what? I can just do this from home now, or I can do this from a remote location where not everything has to be formally done with a big news conference and the pomp and circumstance. So um, I think there's probably been a few cons, but I think there's also been a few positives as well. Because, yeah, you know, we brought on uh, Chris Johnston and Justin Emerson not too long ago. Uh, They were also talking about how just kind of get tired of the screen. Is that happening to you a lot? You know, I would say my much better half, who, by the way, happy birthday, Brenda, is celebrating her birthday today. Uh, oh. She's the one who probably is more zoomed out than uh, I am. Uh, I think there are days where I definitely, okay, enough is enough. But uh, she definitely has days where she's probably about 12 hours a day <laughs> having having conference after conference after meeting after meeting and sometimes there's those days where she's just like i've just had enough of staring at the screen for 12 hours <laughs> right yeah i feel you i definitely feel you i probably do for glasses though now i would say after staring oh. at the screen for like a substantial amount of time over the last 10 months i find when i try to read a book now before i go to bed or when i wake up and i it takes like a half an hour for my eyes to adjust where that's just a sign of either getting old or i've been looking at a screen too long <laughs> yeah you know i completely feel you it's the same thing with school and all but yeah i guess we gotta deal with it right yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> All right. So, no, we, uh, where did you get, where did you go to school for your sports journalism? Like, I was reading, was it Algonquin College? Yeah, that's, that's right. So, Algonquin uh, is based uh, in Ottawa. And uh, that's where I went. Uh, so I grew up in in, uh, in Ottawa. And when uh, I finished high school, that was where I elected to go and took radio broadcasting and tried to thought I knew everything and quickly was humbled otherwise uh, after my brief experience in community television. And uh, that's where I got my start uh, at Algonquin many moons ago. Are there any special people really there that helped you to the point you are now? 
Well, you know what? I think there were, you know, I look back and, and here I am what, uh, you know, I, I finished and I was 20 when I fin- came out of school and I was, you know, that was 25 years ago or so or longer now. And, um, you know, I, I still keep in contact with uh, a couple of uh, fellow classmates from uh, just on social media. But, um, you know, Michael Gossack, who was, uh, you know, my broadcast partner, when we would call Ottawa 67's junior hockey games together and you know um, we've stayed in touch over the years and he helped get me a foot in the door when I worked at the score television network um, you know in the early 2000s so you know I think that's he's somebody that you know we maintained a good relationship and friendship um, and you know I think back to like my early days of breaking into the business um, you know people that just kind of you know, gave me that shot and, and just, you know, kicked my butt when, when I needed it. Um, my old sports director, Joe Cummings, at my first real job at Shea 106 at a classic rock station, I would, you know, do little sports updates over the phone at night. And, um, and you know, he would critique me every once in a while and he would totally rip the crap out of me. Like, <laughs> you're not cool, man. Stop trying to pretend you're somebody you're not. And it forced me to to change my approach as a broadcaster to stop trying to act like, Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is who I am because I'm, uh, you know, got a, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a tightwad here talking like this and uh, trying to be like a, a Ken doll here. And it forced me to kind of change my approach and it humbled me and just went to being me. And, um, so Joe was definitely, uh, you know, good in terms of, giving me the honest goods and forcing me to be myself. Anthony Shoshone was the, uh, who ran the score was really the guy who gave me a shot. Um, after taking a look at my demo reel and six months after we had talked, he he called and said, Hey, I got a job for if you want. And, you know, coaxed me to move to Toronto and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, kickstart my journey here in the business. And so Anthony was definitely great for me. And, um, my uh, lead producer uh, Jeff Wilcox from the um, who was kind of the the lead sports producer at Rogers Community Television when I had started volunteering there in high school and then kind of stayed with it through college and you know my first few years into the business but I would uh, volunteer and just try to get my reps and you know, I called everything there was possible. I called ringette games. I called karate tournaments, touch football, junior football games, um, uh, minor hockey games, basketball, university football, and junior hockey games, and you name it. Like anything that they needed somebody to, for a play-by-play guy, I, I did it. And you know, I was 17 the first opportunity, and he had um, he had. You know, I asked, I said, hey, look, you've got a boxing tournament coming up. Do you, do you have a play-by-play guy? And he said, no, uh, send me a tape. And so, I mean, I didn't really have any access. Like, you know, you go back to when I was 17, you know, I'm, you know, it's early 90s. So, you know, I had a tape recorder at home. And so I, I kind of scrambled to my basement and, and popped in a an old VHS tape of Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior from an old WrestleMania and just basically commentated and just commentated that into a, into a cassette tape and left it on the desk for him. And, you know, he never listened to it. And, and then we were driving to go set up for the event two days prior. And, 
He said, hey, did you know, do you have somebody? You never listened to the tape. And he said, well, okay, there's uh, there's Smith in one in the red corner and, uh, you know, Volkov in the blue corner. Let me hear you call a fight right now. And this is we're driving on the highway. And so I just started uh, – Oh, here's uh, here comes Smith. Here we go. This is a fight of the year, everybody. All right, here's a couple of quick shots by Volkov. Oh, he's got him in trouble. Oh, a big haymaker. He's got him. Oh, damn it, You know, and so here I am, just you know, over the top. This 30 seconds of glory, and he's laughing, and he's like, "I love it. You got the gig on Saturday." And so here I was at 17, and. Uh, got a chance to do this play-by-play for um, it was actually at a tournament that was right before the Olympics in Barcelona that summer so there were a lot of Olympic athletes a guy named Chris Bird who eventually became the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing was on that card as well so um, it was like a tremendous opportunity and one that scared the shit out of me if I'm allowed to say that and uh, it was it was kind of freaky but uh, that was yeah my first kind of real opportunity and just kind of took off from there on the journey. So uh, I guess for the war and peace version of your answer, uh, you know, Jeff Wilcox, Anthony Shoshone, uh, Joe Cummings, and last but not least, Mark Millier, who gave me my uh, opportunity at TSN as well. Um, Those are uh, a few that really kind of stand out as, uh, you know, kind of helping me along the way. All right. All right. So being based off in Vancouver, what are your thoughts on the uh, Canucks and the North Division? I think that the Canucks uh, are exciting, they're fun, and they've got question marks. And just like every other team in the North, uh, which is, that's the magic of the the Poutine Division or the All-Canadian <laughs> Division. Uh, the North, it's, it's that I can make a case outside of the Ottawa Senators that I think every team could win the division. Oh, yeah. And when I when I look at the Canucks, you know, Elias Patterson's got to take that step this year. And as much as everybody believes that he can be and nights that he can show that, you know, if he can do that more on a regular basis and establish himself as one of the best players in the league, uh, I think Petey's got that talent and that all-world skill that has this entire market believing that he can be the guy. You know, Quinn Hughes is obviously a dynamic puck-moving defenseman who just might be the new Eric Carlson, what he can do offensively. Um, But it's that secondary scoring, right? You know, after that, you know, JT Miller, you know, finally gets back into the lineup after missing a few games. And, you know, Miller led the team in scoring last year. You know, you got a solid number two line captain and Bo Horvat at center. But, you know, it's, it's where's the rest of the team? You know, can you get any sort of secondary scoring from that bottom six group? Uh, I love what they've done defensively to kind of stabilize things and finally build something that, you know, legitimately gives them a chance to defend and, co- and compete every night. Uh, and goaltending. You look, you lost an all-star goaltender last year, and you so you bought low on Braden Holtby, but can Braden Holtby get back to being the Braden Holtby that won a Stanley Cup and was a Vesna Trophy winner a few years ago? I think he's young enough to find his game again, but he's certainly been statistically trending in the wrong direction. So, um, you know, with my predictions, I had the Canucks finishing on the outside looking in, but I could just as easily see this team proving me wrong if they do get that secondary scoring, you know, case in point, we're seeing some positive sign from Niels Hoaglander. And, um, you know, if if Thatcher Demko proves that that small little sample size from the playoffs is for real, then, Guess what? You know, there's a yeah. there's a lights out young goaltender, and 
you know, a great veteran goaltender to kind of, you know, help stabilize a one-two punch that you're going to need this year. Solid blue line. Um, but I think scoring is is going to be a big question mark for the team after you get past kind of your your big four up front with Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, and Miller. And, that's so, a, and, and another thing I want to talk about is that uh, this this offseason is going to be huge for Vancouver. I'm pretty sure the Hughes contract is up. Yep. I'm pretty sure Pedersen is, Pedersen is up. So this is yes, probably like their best opportunity to kind of go all the way and win a cup because they're going to get paid. And um, they won't have much cap cap room left, right? Well, and that's that's the tricky part for this team right now because you've got all these you've got your two franchise players that are due to get paid and Pedersen's ELC is up, Quinn Hughes uh, entry level contract is also up. Um, you know, you've had to stick handle with some financial contracts that you're looking at going Ugh, and that's Louis Erickson who's, you know, yeah. 6 million dollars uh, for this season and one more after that. It's been an absolute bust of a contract signing. You know, Brandon Sutter's got one more year at $4 million. Tanner Pearson's a little under $4 million. Um, he'll probably be gone at the end of the season. And, you know, there's the next wave of young, talented players that are coming in. Hoaglander's finally arrived, and we'll see if it's sustainable. But you've got Vasily Podkolzin, who was 10th overall, picked in uh, 20, uh, 2019. And so there's a chance he might be here by the end of the season uh, when he finishes up his contract in Russia and the KHL. So there's another player who could possibly find his way into the mix and, and that to replace some of these uh, veteran contracts that are set to expire. But, you know, I, I, I totally hear you. I don't know if this team is built to win a Stanley Cup right now. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with some of the holes. You know, I still think that there's some question marks with the third pairing on the blue line. Is Ole Olevi for real and Jack Rathbone, two rookie defensemen um, that are going to probably flip-flop between that six and seven spot. You've got, your, you know, goaltending, you know, Demko and Holtby. They've got to show that they're legit this season as well, which I think, you know, I, I tend to think that they'll be fine with goaltending and, and up front. You got a lot of money bloated into those bottom six contracts. Jay Beagle's got two more years. Antoine Roussel's got two more years. And both those guys are at $3 million. You know, those contracts, Brandon Sutter at four four and a half million dollars. You know, it's a lot of money you're paying guys for not a lot of offensive return. And yes, they work hard. They're solid in their own end. But typically, you're you're paying your defensive grinders usually around a million or two, and these guys are all really highly paid veteran guys. They help you win, but at some point you need some offense, and I just don't know if the Canucks are going to get that from those guys this year. But Pedersen's going to get paid. I think in more on yeah. all likelihood, you're probably going to look at more of a bridge deal for Elias Pedersen and probably for Quinn Hughes as well. But Pedersen, I think you look at the numbers of what Matt Barzell got, I think that'll probably be a pretty good starting point for them. Right. All right, so you were mentioning that you think that every single team in the Canadian division, barring Iowa, can finish first. But do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite to win the division? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I like Montreal. I, I think Montreal, just what they've done. Uh, look, I'm a huge mark for Carey Price. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, I love what he can do and the fact that he's going to get some rest this year with Jake Allen stepping in. I think that's a nice one-two punch from a goaltending standpoint. You look at that blue line, it's big, mean, and mobile. 
right? Shea Weber, 6'4", Joel Edmondson, 6'3", Jeff Petrie, 6'3". Um, you know, just you've got a lot of size that, you know, you've got on that back end. Romanov looks like the real deal as well. And then up front where I get that some people will, will look at it as a con, that they don't have that alpha dog elite scorer. But when you look at what the Habs have done, bringing in Josh Anderson, who looks like a home run signing for them or the, in the trade for Max Domi. Uh, you also look at the acquisition for Tyler Toffoli as well. It makes them bigger up front. You know, you've got some depth with Corey Perry, who's a veteran Stanley Cup winner. You know, all the guys that they brought in outside of Anderson have won cups, right? Jake Allen was part of that blue Stanley Cup winning team. You know, Edmondson, part of that blue Stanley Cup winning team. Perry won a cup with the Ducks. Toffoli's won a cup with the Kings. You know, um, you look at those guys that you bring in, they're winners. They understand what it takes to win. So I think fitting into a new team certainly helps. And then Anderson, obviously, you know, who brings that size, speed, power, and scoring ability, you know, that, that could be a Tom Wilson 2.0 for what the Montreal Canadiens are looking for. So suddenly it makes them bigger, makes them a little nastier where the Habs have been knocked for being too soft over the years. But you work those guys into the mix with, you know, Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who, boy, look at the playoffs that those kids had last year to kind of say, all right, you know what? Got something here with these guys. So what does that look like going forward? You got Gallagher, who, who can score consistently. You got Drouin, who has the capability of getting you 20 in a good season. Suddenly, you've got eight or nine guys that I can count in the lineup for Montreal up front that have the potential that have the possibility of getting you somewhere around 20 goals a season. I think there's something to be said about having that bullpen by committee for the forwards to go along with a mobile and a big blue line and great goaltending. To me, that's why I like the Habs to win the North. All right. Um, so now I think we can get into your uh, technically new job at EA Sports NHL with the, uh, since you're the play-by-play guy. Yeah. How often is that, right? Awesome, awesome job. Um, but, uh, of course, my first question to you, to you is, is uh, how did EA approach you for the play-by-play job? Because the, the previous years, it was held by, of course, uh, Mike Emmerich and Eddie Olchek, two of the best in the game. So uh, when their contracts were up, uh, did EA personally call you? Or, you know, how did that go? Like, how did that uh, happen? So about two, almost three years ago now... They uh, basically uh, were looking for a new broadcast team uh, at, at EA. And so it was, um, you know, for, for the last several years prior to me getting into the mix, it was Doc Emmerich and Ed Olchek. And with Ray Ferraro as kind of the number three guy into that group. And so I actually had a friend of mine. Um, we did a CFL podcast together, uh, and he's now a TSN uh, football analyst, Davis Sanchez. And we were just talking one night over the phone, and he said, uh, oh, I was talking to my buddy over at EA. He's one of the lead producers there, and I guess they're uh, auditioning a bunch of guys for the, um, for the NHL video game right now because they're looking for a new broadcast team. And I was kind of like, huh. Whoa! Wait a second. Here, I uh, I said, uh, do, I said, do you think you can, you think you can ask your buddy if, you know, if I could, you know, get an audition if nothing else, like just, you know, take a swing at the plate. And he said, yeah, I, I can ask him for sure. And 
so he reached out and um, I got a, a note from, um, you know, a, the HR department from uh, EA or the legal team uh, to just say, hey, look, your name's come up. We'd like to schedule a formal audition with you. Um, and I think that they were going through the process with probably two dozen other broadcasters, uh, I think, from, you know, um, from here in Canada and the U.S. And so they scheduled an audition and uh, I went in and it was a day after I got off my morning radio show at Sportsnet 650 and raced over to the studios in, in Burnaby, British Columbia. And, um, and I was also that day, uh, our family had, had won a trip to Maui. So we were flying to Hawaii that afternoon. And so in between the show uh, in between racing to the airport and wrangling four kids and getting through customs and all that, I went to go and do this audition and kind of went in and they had played some uh, ransom video for me of some games in years past. And I just, they just said, just go for it and just kind of call it as you see it. And I just kind of went off and I um, <laughs> just, I just kind of started going crazy and, uh, and I kind of, I, I, everybody seemed really nice. And I, I think I had heard the, uh, the broadcast, you know, the producers kind of giggle a couple times and I kind of walked out and walked away saying, you know, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I think that went, I think that was fun. I think that went okay. <laughs> and, and, and then quickly raced to, to get the kids and hop on a flight. And, you know, I, I, I think for a fleeting moment, I just kind of felt good about myself. Say, ah, you know what? I'm glad I gave it a shot. You know, I'm glad I took a chance. And, you know, about a month had gone by. And, and it's funny, to be honest with you, I'd kind of forgotten about it because, you know, you, <laughs> going to Maui is, you know, just kind of relax and get comfortable. Yeah. And then it's summertime yeah. and life was good. And and then all of a sudden it was the middle of July and I get an email and, you um, it's uh, it's from somebody from EA and saying, hey, just to inform you that, you know, we've shortlisted the uh, the candidates and you've made the shortlist. Um, you know, we'll announce a winner, probably announce our decision in the next week to 10 days. And I was like, wow, <laughs> cool. I'm still in it. Wow. Yeah. So thanks. And so then didn't hear anything for another month. So I just assumed, well, you know what? That's cool to even be just considered. So, um, yeah. and so another month had gone by and then I get another email saying, Hey, look, we'd like for you to come back and try a chemistry test with another potential talent. And so I was like, okay, well, this is cool. This is picking up here now. And, and uh, so I went down to the studios for a second time and who do I run into in the parking lot is Ray Ferraro and uh, so there's Ray and uh, and it's like hey and now I knew that they were always big fans of Ray to begin with and I'm a fan of Ray's as a broadcaster as well and I said man I, I think I think they're pretty big fans of yours from our brief conversation when I went for an audition he said well all I know is that you know keep doing what you're doing because it sounds like they're pretty big fans of yours it was like oh okay it's like a mutual admiration so we went in and did a screen test together for about 10-15 minutes and I think they liked what they heard and they said you know okay well we'll be in touch and and uh, then went like almost another month without hearing back. And now it was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I want to hear, you know, now I'm kind of excited. Right. And I really kind of want want this gig and um, didn't hear anything and got a third call uh, to come back in for another screen test. And now it was like, oh, my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is agonizing and went in a third time. And they had uh, they basically went in and, and just kind of said, look, you know, you're. 
you know, we've used Jim Hewson, Gary Thorne and, and Mike Emmerich. And I think they were very, you know, honest and transparent to where, you know, while I think I've established myself with some profile, um, you know, in Canada, I think, you know, south of the border, I was quite an unknown commodity uh, in the U.S. and other parts of the world. And um, with that kind of in mind, I was, uh, yeah, just unsure of, uh, you know, understanding of what they wanted and, and okay. And, and so just kind of simplified things and, and they were pretty convinced that, you know, they liked what they heard from me, but they just wanted to make one more final, you know, final, you know, let's record one more thing and, and we'll make sure we sell it to the bosses. And, you know, they said, okay, we'll let you know in about a week or so. And, and a week later, um, Rammer, uh, Sean Ram Jag Singh, who's one of the, uh, the top dogs over there, he called to say, uh, hey, man, I'd like to uh, tell you that you are uh, our new voice for uh, NHL 20. And, uh, yeah, that was – I nearly drove off the road, uh, <laughs> hands-free. And, and that was uh, – honestly, I, I've been fortunate to do some really cool things in the – in the course of my broadcast career and that um you know at this stage of my life and and to land that as somebody who grew up playing the video game uh still plays the game poorly but still plays <laughs> uh was one of the coolest uh things i had experienced professionally that's for sure uh we know you're, you're running out of time james if you have time we have one more question to ask you go for it um so I'll, actually you can say for it if you want all right well so we know you worked with Snoop Dogg while you were at EA Sports working on NHL 21. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what was it like? It was amazing. You know, for for me, it was it was awesome. I I think our our producers at times were probably uh, a little frustrated at times because Snoop takes a lot of breaks. Oh. <laughs> uh, like you know i think the plan was to start recording at nine i think he entered the studio at 11 oh, wow. you know i think oh. the plan was to go like nine to five and i think we'd kind of go about 11 to three um but you know i would say for me personally speaking professionally he was awesome i i mean snoop is such a smart and savvy businessman one of the coolest things I thought was here was a guy when he sat down right away, he looked at the producers and our team and he just said, listen, guys, I'm not above being told what to do. You know, the better, the better, essentially, you know, hey, look, if it's going to make me sound better, it makes the game sound better. If the game sounds better, then I sound better. And so that sort of mindset and approach, it really kind of clicked for him. And uh, it really worked in a lot of ways to just kind of pull it off. And um, yeah, I, it was, I, I had a great time. You know, he's so quick on the fly. Everything was improvised and ad-libbed and he just nailed it, man. Like for a guy who kind of plays that laid back pot smoking hustler, I mean, <laughs> this guy is a, is a uber successful, massive success story who's been, you know, in the spotlight for what 30 years now and there's a reason for that like yeah. he's smart he yeah. is a shrewd businessman who likes to have a good time and he's a lot of fun but he's also really smart and really successful and that's why he still resonates with so many people in 2021 and i had an absolute blast just you know even between takes just telling stories he's such a big sports fan and 
yeah. we were both Lakers fans as kids. And, <laughs> you know, he went out of his way, he went, you know, kind of ran down the hall and grabbed, he had, you know, we were both big fans of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as when we were kids. And he had a couple of Kareem's, you know, all-star rings. And uh, I, I mean, it was just, it was cool just to kind of have that experience with him. So I know we're running out of time right here, but I just want to ask this question real quick. Did he ever hotbox the studio? <laughs> Did he ever hotbox the studio? I would say when I walked into that building, there was definitely a noticeable <laughs> aroma throughout the facility. And you know what? Honestly, wouldn't you be disappointed if it didn't smell like it? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, honestly. Like if like if Snoop Dogg says you want to smoke weed, would you say no? <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> now I'm probably going to get in trouble for asking you guys this because I right. probably you guys are all probably underage and I'm going to go to jail for saying this. But, <laughs> but, but, oh no, but like, yeah, Snoop, Snoop, you know, I'll tell you what, in a lot of ways, what you see with Snoop is what you get. Yeah. He's kind of like, I would say, if anything, the personality that you see on camera and on screen is essentially just an extension of the personality of Calvin Brodus. Like Snoop is just a little more of an amped up version of who he is in real life. And that's what makes somebody successful, right? When you kind of are authentic to, to who you are and just turn it up a little bit. I mean, that's what made Stone Cold Steve Austin so cool is I always yeah. bring things back to wrestling. Like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, like just, you know, Dwayne Johnson is probably like with The Rock, is just a little bit turned up. And that's who he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's Snoop. And just something quick, um, were there supposed to be other guest commentators during the year, or was that idea just scrapped altogether? You know what? That's above my pay grade, but uh, I would say uh, that I think they, I think they, I think they loved the idea. Uh, they were exploring the idea of where they explored the idea of how it would work with Snoop, and I think that was a bit of a pie in the sky sort of dream, and. It worked out, I think, pretty good. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I know some people probably got a little tired of Snoop, but I think most people thought it was pretty cool having Snoop in the game. And so now the bar has been set, and I think the question is where it goes from here. And so do I think we could see guest commentators and guest broadcasters show up? I think it's entirely possible, um, but where it ultimately where it ultimately goes from here. Um, I don't know. You tell me. So, okay. I, I got to get bumping here in a second. Yeah. Guys, each one of you guys, who would be your dream voice in the game? Ooh, Ooh that's a good uh, question. For me, honestly, it'd be Ron Burgundy. Cause I know Will Ferrell, um, anchor man, he goes to the Kings games a lot. And I think that'd yeah. be kind of cool to see in, in an EA NHL game. Okay. So you're going with uh, Ron Burgundy. You're going with Will Ferrell. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, no, he, I know he's gone now, but you know, and I, it, it'd be really nice to see Oscar Beck get into a, a uh, NHL one oh, NHL game. Oh, that's yeah. that's that's sweet. Yeah, okay, all right. Might be the most boring answer, but I that might be a tough, that might be a tough one to get now. But mm, yeah, because yeah. because I'm a Hawks fan, I'd say Pat Foley maybe. Mm. Oh, Pat Foley. Okay, that's a that's a fun one too. He's pretty he's pretty good. Um, you know, like a couple of names that I thought I thought. Justin Bieber would be cool if we could ever find a way to get him in the game. Um, Drake, I think, would be kind of cool because I think both yeah. those guys like yeah. hockey and I think they both know the game enough to be able to talk about it. 
Um, John Hamm, who's doing all those skip the dishes and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's a, he's a huge blues fan. I think Vince Vaughn personally would be a lot of fun to, to have him in the game. Oh, for sure. Um, he's obviously a big Hawks fan and, and CM Punk's a big, uh, Hawks fan as well. Yeah. I think he'd be kind of, he'd be kind of cool, uh, in addition. So those are, those are a couple of names that I would say selfishly speaking. And you know what? Wayne Gretzky, man, just oh. like oh, yeah. just because he's Wayne Gretzky, I'd love to see uh, Wayne yeah. in a video game. You know what? All right. Great answers. So uh, thanks, James, for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you taking your time to be on here. My pleasure, guys. You guys stay safe and uh, stock up on that sanitizer, all right? <laughs> you, too. <laughs> you too. Cheers, boys. Stay safe. Cheers. All right. Oh, that was amazing. There we go. That, there might, go. that might be my favorite interview. Yeah. So far. Oh, shoot. We're still recording. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, uh, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for watching this episode of TundraCast. And we'll see you next time.